Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today we continue in the series on financial fitness. What does the Bible say about being rich? about greed, about your possessions, and getting more stuff. Put a bookmarker in Luke chapter 12. Pastor Sean has a special word for you on finally being content and a message called Stop This Train. This is Real Life Radio. We're going to talk about financial fitness, okay? Some of you may who follow me maybe on Instagram or Facebook saw the picture I sent from the gym uh, this week, which I had the look that I have at the gym, uh, you know, kind of that thing. And the idea was maybe financial fitness will be easier, Okay. And then I went and looked again at my notes and kind of financial fitness. And no, it's, it's not. Fitness is just fitness. And let me tell you something about fitness. It doesn't happen accidentally. Whether it's physically or whether it's financially, even being fit and sharp in your relationships doesn't happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. And so that's why we're talking about this topic, financial fitness. Most of us probably in the last day or two, even this morning maybe, have had some financial concern or decision to make. Maybe you've even worried about finances today, yesterday. I don't know. But if you have, I just want to challenge you and say we've got some good news for you. Because the Word of God talks a lot about it, and that's why we have to have this conversation. Now, I don't know if you can see this. Maybe we can get that on the screens. Do you know who this is? (laughs) SpongeBob, thank you. Yeah, that's not very good. But it's, it's muscle-bound SpongeBob, too. Hi, Patrick. You know? <laughs> Things I didn't think I was going to do today. Yeah, this is SpongeBob, muscle-bound SpongeBob. And where else would you get muscle-bound SpongeBob but at McDonald's? Because this is the toy from a Happy Meal. Don't you love the Happy Meals? I have two kids, and you don't know how many of these things have cluttered our cars, minivans. How many of these I've almost killed myself stepping on at night? Okay, happy meals. (laughs) It's what makes your kids happy. Way to go, McDonald's, for filling our houses, our cars, our whatever with all of this garbage. Um, Have you ever not gotten a happy meal for your kid so that they get the happy meal toy? Have you ever gone into McDonald's and not done that? Because, see, that's wrong. In fact, I think that's legitimately child abuse in six states and the District of Columbia. So... I think you ought to watch what you do. There's this moral obligation. You're depriving them happiness. How could this not make someone happy? The problem is with the Happy Meal, and that's why these things become so annoying, is the happiness wears off. But McDonald's has already thought of everything. Because you can actually go online to happymeal.com and find out what the next Happy Meal toy is going to be. Isn't that exciting? McDonald's keeping it real for us. The, the, the beauty of this, and this really is, I, I, think, I think it's something that we kind of have to look at, is I truly wish that this was something that was the kids' problem and they had to worry about it and we were so much above it. But I, I want to say I don't think this is the kids' problem. I think the kind of thing of the Happy Meal and i got to have that toy, and then, but the next time I'm equally as fervent, oh, no, no, I need that one and i got to have that one, and then the next time, oh, but i got to have that one. I wish this was just for our kids, but it's not. And I can give you proof. It's called storage units. Because there's our, all our Happy Meal toys. Okay, They're in storage units all around this city. 
And if that's not good enough for you, it's called the garage sale. That's where I, I take the Happy Meal toys that I bought throughout my life that I had to have. They were so important. And I sell them for one one hundredth of what I paid for them. And really, I'm doing it just to make room for more Happy Meal toys. McDonald's has figured something out that I truly wish you and I would grasp. It, this, is, this is a very important principle. You may want to write this down. And McDonald's knows it. They get it. And they're making millions of bucks off of it. And it's this idea that the newness wears off. Say that with me. The newness wears off. Yeah. That it is a universal principle. The newness wears off of your new car. Okay? Got to have a new car. Got to have a new car. Got to have a new car. And then after a couple months, you do understand it's just your car, right? You know that it is just your car. And you may love your car, but it's not the new car anymore. It's just my car. 60 days. Give it 60 days. Maybe 90. And you go, okay, I don't have a new car anymore. I just, it's just my car. It is what it is. The car dealers know that. You know, they know because after 60 days, that thing is worth a fraction of what you paid for it. They understand that the newness wore off. In fact, they watch you drive off the lot and they go, the newness just wore off. Do you see that? Because <laughs> it's not a new car anymore. On this side of the street, on this side of the sidewalk, it was a new car. Now it's a used car. New car, used car. They get it. McDonald's gets it. And you're like, but I love the new car smell. I have to have it. Dude. Even the new car smell, you realize, again, 60, 90 days, that car is going to smell like your old car. You know why? Because you're still in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to smell just like our old car. In fact, right now, I have a smell in my car, and I have turned that thing upside down. I don't know what it is. I probably shouldn't be telling you why. This has nothing to do with our sermon. But I will say, I'm like, did my son, as a joke, put one of my granddaughter's diapers in there? I don't know. But I have torn that thing apart trying to figure out what that smell is. The new car smell, yeah, just it doesn't last. And it's more, more seriously, this pursuit of newness. Because we know it, McDonald's knows it, car dealers know it, we really intuitively know that thing that made us so happy today is going to be the old one soon, and we're going to want the new one. We, in our minds, understand that the newness wears off. Why is it we spend so much time, energy, and effort pursuing the new? I mean, whether it's new cars, new houses, new clothes, couches, tools, phones, computers. Some people go through new friends. Sadly, I've known people who go and look for a new spouse. And it's this, this thing of got to have new. It's almost like a drug. Got to have new, got to have new, got to have new. And there's this freight train of consumerism that really, I've called this message, Stop This Train. Okay, and right away we hear the strains of a John Mayer song. But it's the idea that there's this train, this consumerism that is just keeps on going. How do we stop it? Mark Twain once defined civilization like this. He said, it is a limitless multiplication of unnecessary necessities. A limitless multiplication of unnecessary necessities. And I have to tell you, he was right. And every one of us kind of chuckles along with Mark Twain, and we know, yeah, he's exactly right. Now, we started this series by talking about financial reality. And we, and we saw that financial fitness, which is our objective, and financial freedom, but financial fitness begins by accepting the reality of God's economy. And we looked at six realities. We saw how God owns it. He loans it to us to manage. We will one day give an account. Okay? We're supposed to use what He entrusts to us. We're supposed to use it, make the most of it. We saw fear is not your friend. So many stupid money mistakes made out of fear. 
And we saw that God rewards faithful stewardship. He wants to reward us. We saw as he looked at the faithful stewards in the passage we looked at last week. How he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. He said, you've been faithful over little. I want to make you steward over much because he's looking for people who will be faithful and make the most of the resources that they're entrusted with in their time here on earth. That's what the scripture says. Now, the more I look at this, the more there is this principle that emerges. And this is kind of, it's not on your notes. I want you to write it down, though. If you're taking notes, please write this down. This is important. Because it will really help us as we wrestle through this stuff. And go, Why are we talking about this? Why am I feeling this way? Here, here's the principle. Money issues are rarely money issues. Money issues are rarely money issues. Money issues are usually maturity issues. Money issues are rarely money issues. Money issues are usually maturity issues. Let me say it another way. Money issues are usually discipleship issues. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, we understand that idea, that disciple, we're becoming like Christ. It's the same root as the word discipline, that there is a maturing and a growth that's supposed to happen. And that these money issues, that we that very rarely are they kind of money problems. They are maturity problems. They are character issues, heart issues. Money issues are rarely money issues. Money issues are usually maturity issues. And Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 12 gives a talk to a group of people that totally underlines this and goes right to the heart of the matter. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Luke chapter 12. I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. Jesus is talking to a large crowd of people. Okay, he's just giving this talk in public. And here's what we read. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, we sometimes get our Bible lenses on, so we just blow right by that as though that's the most normal thing in the world. You, you realize it's like Jesus is talking here today. Or like I'm talking to you here today about money. And some guy stands up, Hey, Pastor Sean, will you tell my loser brother to share the inheritance with me? Because he won't. And the family members and the friends who are around them go, Oh, my God, are you kidding? Not here. Because they have heard it. And you know, these people. They, there's people who knew these guys. I cannot believe they're dragging the Messiah into this, right? And Jesus had actually kind of a similar response, although more Christ-like, obviously. Because Jesus replied, the man says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. Jesus says, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? That's when is this my job to fix this? And then he said to them, and who's them? Is he said, the brothers or the whole crowd? I suspect he was talking to the crowd and they kept looking at the brothers like, talking to you right <laughs> then he said to them watch out be on your guard against all kinds of greed a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions and he told him this parable he tells a story to illustrate the point he says the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop he thought to himself what shall i do i have no place to store my crops and then he said this is what i'll do i'll tear down my barns i'll build bigger ones and there i'll store all this grain and all my goods and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take like easy, eat, drink, and be merry. What's fascinating is this guy comes to the same place. He kind of just wants to be done with it and be secure in all of his stuff. So that he doesn't have to do anything. Isn't that exactly the same position the unfaithful servant was last week in our message? He just wanted to bury the master's resources and say, I don't have to do anything with it. I don't want no responsibility. I want to give up. I want to quit. I want to coast. Exact same issue from a totally different perspective. I'll take life easy. I'll eat, drink, and be merry. 
But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. Jesus says, beware greed. He says, life is not about acquiring stuff. And for us as Americans, that's a tough pill to swallow because we are all about acquiring the stuff. I mean, really, stop and think about it. I mean, our whole life is organized around, you know, education is all about getting a job. Getting a job is all about getting stuff. Our whole life is focused towards getting stuff. And, and you, you might say, well, we, we, of course, need food and clothes and covering. Well, Jesus knows that. We're going to find that out in a minute. I'm talking way beyond because we stuff is how we keep score. The kind of car I drive, that's a scorecard. The kind of neighborhood I live in, that's a scorecard. The kind of office I have, is it a corner office? Do I have an office or am I a cube dweller? You know, because that's a sign. And that tells me something. Then if my office is in the middle of the building, well, that's good. If my office is on a corner building, if my office is a corner building with a balcony, oh my gosh, I am Lord of all that I survey. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like th- those are all scorecards. And it's like, okay, I'm winning. I'm, I'm moving up. I'm winning. And Jesus says, stop it. Your life is not about acquiring stuff. In fact, life is happening and you're missing it while you're focusing on acquiring stuff. This is taking so much of your time, energy, and attention. You are missing life. And we want to take a quick break to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in a series called Financial Fitness. If you'd like to hear the full unedited message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean, it's available right now on demand on the sermons page at the River City website called reallife.org. And if you think you'd like to come and visit River City, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And now back to the message, Stop This Train. It's all about financial fitness. This is radio for real life. So the man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Verse 22, Jesus said to his disciples, you notice he's talking to the guys, then he talks to the crowd, and now he's focusing more on his true followers. He said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, about your body, what you'll wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. And then he uses illustrations again. He sees some birds. He said, look look at the ravens. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storerooms or barns. He says, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you can't do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? He says, consider how the lilies grow. So he goes from the birds, and it's a field of flowers. Consider how they grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
Now, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith, of little belief? Do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Do not worry about it. Understand, he doesn't say don't eat or drink. He says it's just not supposed to be what your heart is all about. It's so basic, so fundamental. He says do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, the unbelieving world. And your father knows that you need them. So that's good to know. Father's not saying it's not important or that you don't need it. He does know. But seek his kingdom. This is where the heart, this is the focus. Seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself, selves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I've taught this before, that idea out of what Jesus shared in Matthew chapter 6, which is very similar, some different structures, different crowd, different time. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And remember, I've told you before, if you've heard me teach on this, Jesus said it wrong. He said it wrong. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. What he, should, what, he, what he meant to say, I'm sure, is where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be, right? Where your heart is, where you're, that's where your treasure is going to be. But that's not what he said. And I guess since he's Jesus, I'm going to assume he's right, okay? He's teaching us something. He's saying if you struggle with this, these ideas, there's a way to train your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If you're sitting here going, man, this is tough because, yeah, I'm pretty occupied with stuff and I'm kind of caught up in that rat race like everybody else. There's that part of you that's going, ugh. Jesus says, good news. This is not about condemnation. And he actually gives us this way, that by directing our treasure, what if my heart's not in it? He says, do it anyway, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You literally can begin to disciple, discipline, train your heart by directing your treasure. That's a powerful idea. So Jesus brings up these key points. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. So many money mistakes because of fear. He says, don't. Father knows what you need. He says, life is about more than food, clothes, and stuff. Don't miss life. Don't miss the love, the joy, the purpose, the meaning in this pursuit of just acquiring stuff. Because it will pass you by, you'll miss it. And that whole thing about, you know, he who has the most toys when he dies wins, that's a lie. Because he's just dead. He who has the most toys when he dies is still dead. And here's the kicker, and I want you to grab this. Jesus made it crystal clear. God knows what you need and promises to provide it. You remember when I said last week, how you view God. Remember I talked about the unfaithful servant? His view of God was fatal to him. His view of the master was fatal. I said, how you view God will determine how you receive all the principles that we're going to talk about over the next number of weeks. Well, here's one of them. Jesus said, your father knows what you need and he promises to provide that. Do you believe him? Do you believe him? How do you view your father? Because this is a game changer. This whole deal is such a huge deal. The apostle Paul talked about it in 1 Timothy 6. Now, he kind of, some time had gone by, and there were false teachers that Paul had to talk about. He's writing to a young leader named Timothy, who Paul had raised up and planted as the leader of a church. And so Paul is now writing to Timothy, and he's warning him about false teachers. But he gets to this subject of 
resources. Beginning at verse 3, 1 Timothy 6. If anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he's conceited, he understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, and evil suspicions. And constant friction between men of corrupt mind who've been robbed of the truth and listen, and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. So this is a twist in some false teaching. And then he writes, says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And you, some of you might need to underline that word contentment in your copy of the scriptures. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. You hear that? The danger. It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It says, but you men of God flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, Love, endurance, and gentleness. If you're taking notes, write this down, because this is so critical. Contentment is the first step to financial freedom. Contentment is the first step to financial freedom. I grew up in a tradition that had some real kind of wild extremes when it came to this issue of finances. Okay? I grew up Pentecostal, and there were some teachers who said, you are supposed to be rich. If you're, you're a king's kid, if you're a child of God, he wants to make you rich. And let me tell you, that doctrine will fill a church, okay? You want to pack this place out six services a weekend, just tell them every, God wants everybody to be filthy rich. <laughs> and what's, what's interesting is if someone wasn't rich, what you would be told then in a kind of loud southern voice is, well, then you have no faith. It's... <laughs> I lived in Chicago. I'm like, why do you even talk like that? You're from Cicero. I know you. <laughs> but it was Assembly of God Church. You talk Southern because that's the way God talked, you know. That's not on tape, is that? <laughs> the problem is that makes no sense because in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going to the temple, the hour of prayer, and there's this guy begging for alms. And Peter, Simon Peter, looks at the guy and says, well, I don't have any money. Silver and gold I don't have. It's almost like Peter's pulling out his pockets and going, yes, sorry, I don't have any money. And again, the southern evangelists will say, well, see, Peter had no faith. You see, and like that's ridiculous because what happens next is he says, but what I do have I'll give you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the crippled guy gets up and walks. I think Peter had faith. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and vote that way. So this is a ridiculous idea to say that everybody's supposed to be guaranteed wealth. Now, I also saw another extreme that was every bit as ridiculous that everyone is supposed to be poor. Everyone, that if you have any resources at all, that's ungodly. You should divest yourself of all resources. Do you know that what Timothy said here, what Jesus talked about, the center of biblical teaching regarding finances is contentment? That's it. Contentment. God does want you to be content. Because contentment says, I have enough. What God has provided is plenty. I'm full. I have everything I need. Thomas Jefferson, I think it was, tongue-in-cheek, said, said um, who is rich? He who is content. Who is that? Well, nobody. <laughs> That's what he wrote. So he's very wise and astute. Not many people are content. But if you are, he understood a principle. If you are content, you're rich. Stop and think about it. 
Because you don't need any more. I have everything I need. Oh, do you need this? No, I'm full. Oh, couldn't eat another bite. Paul used the phrase, I'm amply supplied. I have plenty. There's a powerful understanding here in contentment. I have plenty. And in that, I am rich. Thank you, Pastor Sean. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in this series called Financial Fitness. If you'd like to hear the full unedited message and this series, it's available right now as a free download when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're always invited to come and visit us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park. You can see all the details, directions, and service times, including the Saturday night service, also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, and we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.